So there I was with the cold blade pressed against my wrist. That's a excerpt from this episode. You're going to hear it later on. Uh, welcome back to Clay, the podcast for courageous leaders, always yearning, Christian men, willing, wanting to, willing to, desiring to step up to be the best that they can possibly be for his kingdom's cause, for his kingdom come. My name is Justin. I am your host. And today, uh, I actually have an episode for you that's uh, it's going live on July 13th that is two weeks late. This is supposed to be the last episode that was to air in our Pride Month series, the Wednesday episodes for all of June 2022 are relevant to Pride Month and uh, the topics that get tossed around and talked around and often not actually addressed, but more so just accepted for hope that they'll go away and you won't have to talk about them anymore and you won't have to see the advertising anymore. Uh, The reality is the more and more time passes, the more and more uh, those issues are in our face and they're changing and they're becoming different. They're becoming, uh, they're becoming really, they're becoming an attack on our children and they have been for years and we'll get to that later in this episode here. Uh, but as promised, uh, this episode is uh, more of my personal testimony around sexual sin, around uh, my journey through uh, through that for a season, and I'm going to be sharing some things today with you uh, as a listener that I hope will add value to you, for one. Uh, two, I hope that you'll be able to learn from my story, that uh, my story will help you to uh, be a better leader. Uh, to be more courageous, and to realize and to accept the fact that people around you are going through different and various struggles at any given point in time. And sin is a struggle and a battle that we all deal with in different ways. Some of us are going to relate, some of you rather, are going to relate to the sin that I share with you today, the sin that I struggled with, for years, or sins, rather. Some of you are going to relate to my story. Some of you are going to relate uh, to the fact that you know somebody who has gone through something similar or dealt similarly in uh, whatever capacity uh, with what I share today. That being said, uh, I, I do hope and I do pray that uh, this, uh, this unveiling, so to speak, or revealing of uh, certain aspects of my testimony Uh, would be just that, that they would be my testimony. Uh, I am going to uh, shield and protect certain details from my testimony uh, in an effort to protect others whose uh, testimony is intertwined in uh, one way, shape, or form. Uh, I'm going to uh, also uh, spare you uh, specific details that uh, aren't, aren't necessary uh, because uh, what I want to focus on and I want, what I want this podcast to continue to be is principle-based, uh, leading to conversations for you to continue to have. The conversation shouldn't stop here when this recording ends and uh, you are no longer listening to this episode, uh, but rather the conversation should continue, whether or not it's in your own thoughts, whether or not it's in your prayer life with God, or whether or not it's uh, with uh, people that you know and, and love in your life or a Bible study group, a men's group, whatever it may be, the conversation needs to continue. Part of being a courageous leader is being willing to step up to 
these issues and these conversations and actually engage here to be part of the battle and not just sitting on the sidelines watching it happen, to uh, man up for lack of a better phrase. In fact, uh, there's a lot of phrases that have been talked down by society that honestly, they're, they're harmless. Sure, they could be used in a negative context and perhaps uh, you have struggled with being told to man up or uh, one of my favorites, grow a pair. There are some of these phrases that have been tossed around and in some cases uh, have caused some damage. I, I, I have not personally been damaged by these phrases. Uh, in fact, I, I think that as a society, especially as men, perhaps we should be a little bit more willing, maybe not to use these specific phrases, but to get the message across. There's still other ways to help and encourage one another to step up when we need to step up to quit making excuses and to quit holding back and to quit uh, quit uh, tearing, if you will, and to move forward, to move forward and to face and challenge the status quo, to make something happen in your uh, day-to-day life, to utilize the 24 hours that you have today to the best of your ability because you don't know if today is going to be your last day. And as you Uh, look away from uh, what you are uh, being called to or being drawn to, to serve and to provide and to protect. As you uh, look away and you pretend that those uh, yearnings are not there, that that desire to do more isn't there, you're just doing yourself and those around you a disservice. You're not stepping into the life that God has called you to. Instead, uh, you're pretending that your excuses are good enough reasons to give minimal effort in your relationships, in your job, in your health, in your study of the Word, in your uh, relationship with God, first and foremost. You're allowing these things to become those excuses and to, uh, to prevent you from drawing nearer to Him, to being the best man that you can possibly be because it's more comfortable that way. It's more comfortable not to talk about Jesus. It's more comfortable to, uh, to avoid the opportunity for rejection. It's more comfortable to not share your story. It's more comfortable to skip out on those details. As you hear of somebody else who's going through or struggling with whatever it is, and you know inside that you can absolutely relate, but all you do is shake your head and nod and let them know that you're there. Instead of revealing, yes, I've been there. I've been where you're at. And here's what I did, and here's who it was that rescued me. Maybe maybe we need to get better about having those uncomfortable conversations. Today's episode is also going to dive into a couple of things. And again, I've, I've left the uh, disclaimer out there, all of these uh, Wednesday posts, these uh, Pride Month-related episodes Uh, You may not want to have little ears around, depending on uh, how little those ears are and what kind of conversations uh, you are having with them. That being said, uh, let's let's take this uh, back. Let's take this back uh, a number of years to, uh, for me, uh, my introduction to pornography. I was introduced to pornography by a good friend of mine at the time, as many of us are, as many of us are, and uh, I dove right in to uh, say to say the least. I, I didn't see any issue with it uh, necessarily, uh, the pornography that 
uh, I was looking at and the ways that I went about attaining it, uh, I didn't initially uh, see or or feel anything wrong with uh, that uh, that action, so to speak, of uh, looking up. Uh, for me, it was uh, videos online, and for uh, many in this era, it's videos online or in apps these days, uh, social media to name uh, one of the many, many, many resources that you hear about. And then, uh, when I was exposed to pornography, the average age of a boy in the United States of America being exposed to pornography uh, was 12 years old. That was the average, and I nailed that uh, right on the head. The average age today, just to paint a clear picture for you, in the United States of America is six years old. And that is uh, by a number of different statistics firms. Six years old is the average age that a boy is being exposed to pornography. And it's not just still images these days. It's video. And it's generally because they see and find somebody else in their life they stumble upon or they are introduced by somebody that they know and love and and care about. That's generally the introduction. So let that sink in. Six years old. On the day that this episode is airing, I am turning 30. That is July 13th, 2022. I am turning 30 today, the day that this episode is airing. When I was 12, the average age was 12 years old. Now today, it is six. Six years old. So picking up, I had just gotten baptized coming out of uh, sixth grade, going into seventh grade, and uh, moving into seventh grade, uh, having a really... Uh, for all intents and purposes, a pretty great year. I had lockers next to friends at school. I uh, got pretty good grades in seventh grade. I was a bit different having multiple classes. That was my first year with the multiple class thing and class periods and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I did pretty good. And then uh, towards the end of seventh grade, uh, going into eighth grade was when I was introduced to pornography by a friend of mine. And uh, I quickly found out that uh, we were not the only two people that I knew that have and were, and consistently were, exploring the world of pornography. Uh, I actually uh, realized very quickly that it was far more common than I had expected, and uh, that was part of what played into uh, me lowering my guard personally as to what I was doing and what I was partaking in. And the, and, and the truth is, it's it all private. It was all, it was all just me. I never watched pornography with anybody else. Uh, but we talked about it, and we gave each other clues as to where to go and all sorts of things, and even uh, different ways to hide your tracks so that nobody else could find you. And uh, as, I, as I say that now, as I think about it now, uh, if, if I didn't actually know what I was doing was wrong, I wouldn't have bothered with hiding my tracks, right? Well, uh, this uh, journey into uh, pornography actually lasted a few years for me, of struggling with it. Uh, I got caught a few times by uh, my parents uh, not covering my tracks well enough online. And I uh, thank, thank the Lord that that happened because uh, each of those times, and the third time was the main uh, main conversation that really stuck to me and really sticks out. It was a conversation that I had with my dad uh, that um, was ultimately really, really pivotal in, in the way that I viewed what I was doing and sexual sin as a whole. But that was 
much later in my dealings with pornography and after viewing and seeing many, many, many clips, many videos. And I wish, I, I do wish that I could go back and uh, remove many of those decisions, many of those clicks, many of those searches. Uh, I wish that I could remove all of them, to be honest with you. I was talking with a really great friend of mine the other day about regrets and this idea that uh, so many people go, well, you know, I look back and I have no regrets on uh, on the way that I've lived. And I, I think that that's, I think that's foolishness. I think we can look back and see many decisions that we made and we can see the hand of God in many things. But I think that any thinking person would look back and go, you know, I don't know what would have happened if I changed that, but that's something that I probably wouldn't go back and repeat. I probably wouldn't do that again. And, and I think that that's a very relatable relatable thought for for most, right? So here I am having this third conversation with my father uh, about something that uh, he knows I've been struggling with for years and uh, something that uh, my dad was willing to relate to me on. Uh, he was willing to uh, really uh, get down to my level and, uh, and, and really engage with me uh, on this conversation and uh, I am blessed to have a father like that. I know that there are many, many men out there who did not have uh, a father that was willing to have uncomfortable conversations with their son, uh, willing to uh, talk about sex. My my dad was willing to, and, uh, I, and I'm grateful for that because I had a, a much more mature perspective uh, going through high school and my uh, later years than I think many of, many of my friends did, to be honest. And... The biggest, the biggest thing for me was knowing that uh, my dad cared. Uh, he, he really cared that uh, I was continuing to go back to this well that he knew was poison. And I couldn't see it at the time. I couldn't see uh, exactly what I was doing. But he knew it was poison, and he was trying to protect me from that. And I'm very grateful to have had a dad growing up that saw the poison I was returning to and was willing to uh, fight for me in that regard. I know that my parents were praying for me avidly, and I know that they were concerned for me. Because about the time that I started looking at pornography, uh, it was uh, a slow progression, but I also started to let my grades slip. And uh, my grades took a serious dip, actually, in eighth grade. And eighth, eighth and ninth grade, uh, I didn't have the greatest turnout. I did just enough to get by. I did uh, just enough in school to uh, get the get passing grades uh, on my semester grades, which were the important ones, I suppose. Uh, granted, I was raised to believe that every grade was an important one, uh, but for me, for a couple of years, uh, my grades really didn't ultimately matter. Uh, in fact, uh, I was spending a, f- a lot more time thinking about uh, porn thinking about uh, my own self-pleasure. And I was spending uh, way, way too much time there. Uh, the computer was a tool that was, should have been used for homework and studies, and I used it for other things. Uh, and and that, was, uh, that was much of what I, I did. Granted, the reason that my grades dropped uh, weren't just from spending time watching pornography, because I still had plenty of time to do my schoolwork and to get it done, uh, but I was making decisions not to. I was making decisions not to. I was flinching on the soccer field. 
I was uh, not finding joy in many of the things that I had found joy in. That I was uh, experiencing uh, happiness, we'll say, in uh, a lot of the things that I had formerly experienced happiness in. Uh, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't nearly as much, but uh, I was raised to be strong and to put on a good face. So I faked as much as I could uh, for as long as I could until I couldn't do it anymore. I had had a friend of mine over this period of time, over these uh, few years. Uh, not, so not only had I, had I, was I introduced to pornography by a friend, but I also had another friend uh, who uh, he asked me, he told me, he confided in me. He confided in me one one point when we were uh, hanging out uh, that he might be bisexual. And that uh, he he thought and experienced attraction towards guys and uh, found that uh, he thought about he thought about things a lot uh, with thought about things sexually a lot with both uh, men and women and uh, and this uh, this led to a couple of interesting conversations. Uh, those interesting conversations uh, ultimately ultimately led to me doing some things uh, with this friend that uh, I regretted instantly. That uh, instantly, instantly put a hole in my heart that I proceeded to spend a lot of time afterwards trying to fill. And the thing that I tried to fill it with was more pornography and uh, more convincing of myself that uh, some of the uh, things that uh, I did with this friend uh, were not real, were not true, and they weren't. And that's what I ultimately learned. That's what I ultimately realized. But at the time, at the time I was, uh, I was so ashamed of uh, what I had done. Now, I, I will say this, we had not and did not do uh, any sort of uh, intercourse activity. We didn't go beyond that, uh, or didn't anywhere near that, thankfully. Uh, thankfully, the shame and the guilt and the conviction of the wrong was was there. And uh, here's where I'm going to share a bit more detail that I think is very important for this conversation because it relates to sin. Sin, sin feels good. There are many uh, sins that people go back to and continue to do and we continue to go to these poison wells because cause it tastes good. Uh, if it didn't, we wouldn't do it. If uh, sin uh, didn't draw us in our fallen hearts, then we wouldn't do it. We wouldn't be looking for these these wells that uh, look so great on the outside or uh, look all perfect but are not. In fact, uh, they're, they're poison wells that uh, we continue to go to, and society continues running to these wells and digging more of them uh, and, and trying to uh, convince as many people around that these wells are, are safe to and uh, healthy to drink from. And uh, this well, uh, the issue uh, with uh, the young uh, developing mind and puberty and all of the amazing, amazing things that happen at certain ages because they're supposed to happen this way because God created us this way. 
the development of our minds and our bodies are supposed to happen at, at a later stage in life. We're not born with this uh, attraction and these thoughts and uh, and such because our, our young minds can't handle it. It has to happen in phases and over time. And so for me, I had just begun puberty at this point in time. And so my body reacted in ways that I didn't understand that it was reacting. I didn't understand what was going on, but I knew what it was supposed to mean. And so I knew that uh, my response, my physical response to uh, these sins, the sinful action, I knew, I knew that that was my body just responding because I'm just going through stuff, right? Well, I, I realized that later, but I didn't realize that right then. I, I thought for sure uh, that, that my mind was twisted, and it was, and it was, but I was looking at it uh, in one context, and the reality was I was experiencing the, uh, the, the, the desire of the, the poison well, and I was drinking from it, and uh, it, it confused me for a moment. There was a cloud over me for a moment that stuck. And uh, so there was a, another moment where uh, it was my last time getting caught with pornography online. And uh, it was also my last time, uh, well, it happened. And then it was my last time hanging out with that friend ever again as well. Because uh, what, what happened was, was this. I was uh, watching pornography with nobody else home, and then uh, somebody got home. Uh, I was I lost track of time. Someone got home, and I didn't have time to clear all of my steps, uh, clear all of my my history and all that nonsense. And uh, I actually walked away from the computer, and I remember thinking, you know what, I'm probably going to get caught this time. Oh, well. Oh, well. And it was uh, at that point uh, that I did, I did get caught, and that... Uh, third conversation, that third real conversation with my dad happened. And we talked and we talked and I, I shared who had introduced me to pornography in the first place. And uh, that relationship was, uh, there's some distance created there for a while uh, that was really helpful. Uh, it turns out association is incredibly important as I've talked about on many episodes thus far. That was one of my earlier experiences with association. Now the uh, problem still remains that I felt this shame and I felt this guilt for uh, what I had done and been doing. And uh, that actually spawned itself into uh, exploring other, uh, other sin, essentially. And I uh, began dating a, um, a, a, honestly, a great individual. She had a huge heart and uh, wanted to do a lot of great things with her life, and that was all great. Uh, but our relationship started at the moment that I was looking for a fresh start by changing high schools. And uh, this relationship actually kept me tied to many negative relationships at my old high school. And uh, our relationship, uh, it started off uh, very, very clean. I was uh, trying to be a good Christian boy. Didn't want to, uh, didn't want to kiss I even shared that with uh, with her. That's uh, I was saving my first kiss for my wedding day, and uh, her friends thought that was insane, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so I stayed in a relationship anyway because that makes sense. Yeah, when your values don't line up, why not just stick it out and see if uh, the other person's values will change? 
Well, it turns out the values that changed uh, for that period of time were mine. My values changed, and our relationship became uh, more physical than uh, we had any right doing. Uh, no, we never had sex. No, we uh, never removed clothing uh, or anything of the sort. But our relationship, uh, nonetheless, had a very physical element, and I found myself looking for and desiring more and more time with her, with no parents around. And a moment uh, happened uh, for me that, that stuck out that uh, we were actually playing a game, uh, and it was not, it was, it was actually a harmless game, it was a board game. Uh, we were playing it upstairs uh, at uh, her, her parents' house, and uh, her parents were gone for, they were just going grocery shopping. And her little brother came running upstairs when her parents got home uh, to warn us that they were getting home, and he thought that we must Logically, he thought that we must have been in her bedroom uh, doing nefarious things. And that's why he came running upstairs to warn us that they were home. Uh, I mean, it turns out we were just playing a game, but the, the reality sunk in for me then. I, I saw that, and I, and I realized that um, a younger, younger man, younger boy, was looking up to me and anticipating and expecting me to be, be behaving just like the world. Uh, just like the world with his older sister, of all things. And that's, uh, that made me feel really, really dirty. Uh, really, really dirty, because I knew that uh, I had obviously uh, either been caught or given the impression, uh, or it was talked about, that there was obviously a physical aspect to our relationship, because uh, to him, I was just another guy, just another guy from the world, and I, I remember getting uh, picked up that day and on the way home, just thinking like, wow, this is the world that we live in. This is the world that we live in, and I'm, I'm blending in. I'm blending in with the world. And it wasn't uh, a couple of weeks later that uh, I, I don't really know how exactly it transpired. I just know that it was... It was uh, another pivotal moment for me, and uh, I'm very thankful for having aware parents. Uh, but uh, when I was playing uh, playing soccer uh, very very competitively all through my, my schooling and uh, up through uh, my senior year of high school, I played competitive soccer. And uh, at this point in time, uh, my little brother played as well, and his team had practice at the same place that we did. And uh, that day... Uh, my girlfriend at the time uh, was hanging. We were hanging out, and we went to my little brother's practice, and mine was after theirs. And uh, she was either going to stay for my practice and watch, or hang out, or or whatever. I don't even, I don't remember. But uh, we were uh, in the back of my mother's car, and uh, her my mother's windows are not tinted. I'm sure that uh, other kids' parents saw us in the back. And uh, we were. I mean, I'll be transparent here. Sorry, mom, if you're listening, but we were totally making out. Uh, and then, um, and then I, I kind of laid down, fell asleep a little bit and she fell asleep on me. Uh, and my mom came out to get me for practice. And, uh, and to this day, I don't really know how she knew or what I'm sure somebody said something, but, uh, re regardless, uh, that doesn't matter. What matters here is that, uh, my, uh, mom, uh, took her home and, uh, told me to get a ride home from soccer practice to which, I did. Uh, thankfully, I had many friends on the team and uh, many people that lived close by, so it would have been an awfully long walk. 
now that I'm thinking about that distance. It would have been, yeah, a pretty long walk. But my, um, my mom knew that I needed to think about what I was doing and, and who I was, obviously. And that was actually the question that my dad asked me that night. I got home and my parents had obviously talked and I had none of those conversations with my dad that, uh, that, that meant the world to me. Uh, absolutely meant the world to me, and uh, I, I left that conversation. He asked me some very, very, very good questions. And one of those questions was uh, asking me if I knew who I was. And uh, there was a lot of things that I wanted to tell him at that point in time. There was a lot of things that I wanted to tell him at that point in time uh, that I didn't. Uh, I didn't tell him uh, about uh, my... Uh, my friend who uh, who shared with me his uh, bisexual thoughts and desires and whom I uh, partook in some experimentation with. I didn't, didn't share with him any of that. I wanted to. I thought about it. I thought about uh, getting released from that shame and that thing. I thought about confessing more of uh, what I had been doing with that particular girlfriend as far as the physicalness. And I thought about sharing, you know, why, uh, but I didn't, I couldn't wrap my head around why, why, uh, all of this was so, uh, so, so haunting and, and so there and so, so part of my thoughts and oh, how this sin had such a grip on my heart, but my dad didn't need a bunch of details about any of that. He, he knew, uh, he, he knew and could see and uh, understood and, uh, thankfully, uh, the questions and the conversation that my dad and I had that night uh, led me to uh, repentance and spending some time, spending some time in the Word, seriously in the Word, for probably the first time uh, independently uh, that I chose to grab my Bible and just spend some time. I went downstairs to where my little brother and I shared a room and uh, grabbed my Bible and sat on the couch outside of our room and I turned on the lamp, and I just read, and I just read and prayed and cried and read, and the the next day uh, that relationship uh, that relationship ended. Uh, I was no longer dating uh, that girl. I wished her the best, and we we parted ways. Now this moment, this breakup, this was three years from the time that uh, I. Was, was both touched and, and touched and, and did things that were haunting me and that were sticking in my mind for so long. Things that had made me feel so ashamed of who I was that I spent many, many, many waking moments wishing that I was not alive. Wishing that there was a way out that made sense. That I Wishing that I could end my life and not feel like I was leaving leaving anyone uh, hanging, uh, letting anyone down. I had begun to convince myself that I w- might be missed, but uh, that it would be easier for, for me to no longer, no longer live because the shame and the disappointment and the, the, the way that I felt and the thoughts that I was thinking, they were becoming more and more true in my mind than I would ever dare to admit. This episode, um, 
I I couldn't publish it when I wanted to publish it because I had to I had to have a conversation with a couple of people prior to it airing because I didn't want any of these things to be uh, be the first time that a couple of people heard this. Now, uh, that being said, um, picking back up here, uh, one month prior to that conversation of my parents that night, that experience, that uh, that uh, breakup, I was I was ready to put an end to the shame and the guilt that I was carrying. I I wanted to I wanted to end it. And I thought about lots of different ways to do it. Thought about lots lot of different methods to do it. And for me, I don't know what it was that uh, drew me to uh, the simplicity of cutting my own wrist. But that is that is that is the uh, for whatever reason the as messy as that is. Um, and yes, I did think about making a mess or not, because in my mind, somebody else was obviously going to be cleaning up the mess, and uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want to be messy, but I went ahead and chose. Uh, and I think that it was because of uh, ease of access, uh, but I was never into any self-harm. I was never into any uh, cutting or anything like that. Uh, that would have been way too difficult to hide. And for me, it was all about hiding. It was all about hiding this life that I had lived and had had approached, and it was all about it was all about hiding the sin and and uh, and hiding the shame and and pretending like it didn't exist. So there I was one afternoon after school in a period of time when I would be home alone. I was in my my bedroom and I was sitting on the edge of sitting on the edge of my bed. And I was thinking to myself that this would be the last moment that I would have to deal with this shame and that whatever else was waiting for me would be would be better than carrying this shame. And I was I was, I was ready in, in my mind I was I was ready to was ready to be done. And I had not attempted to take my life before. Suicide was something that I had been thinking about a, a lot. And and I thankfully, uh, thankfully, well, let's pick up. So there I was, cold, cold knife, cold blade on my wrist. So there I was with the cold blade pressed against my wrist. The knife was in my right hand. I am right-handed. And uh, I was building pressure on my left wrist. The knuckles on my right hand were white from how tight I was gripping the knife. And I was adding and applying more pressure to my left wrist. I wasn't shaking, I wasn't fidgeting, I was focused, potentially the most focused I had been in months. And as I stared down at my wrist, I began to wonder 
I began to wonder what it would feel like. I began to wonder what it would look like. And I began to wonder how it would feel to no longer feel. And so I pressed down. And at the moment that the pressure was going to break skin, my bedroom door opened. My bedroom door that I thought was completely closed it was a twisted uh, twist door handle, a round door handle. and So I, I thought for sure it was going to be uh, my mom or a sibling or somebody opening my door and, and coming in, which didn't make sense because nobody else was home but me and my dog. And it happened to be that uh, my dog had pushed the door open. Sheba is her name, and uh, I... Must not have closed the door all the way. Didn't have the the hatched uh, actual knob locked and in place, obviously, because she is a dog and does not have opposable thumbs. Uh, But that door pushed open, and Shiva sauntered over to me and laid her head on my right quad, my right leg, and just uh, looked up at me. And it was in that moment when I looked into her eyes that I, I broke and, and realized that I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't take my life. How selfish I couldn't, I couldn't do this. This is not the right way to go. And that I would just have to live and bear the shame for the rest of my life. The rest of my living years, I would just have to bear this shame and this, this weight of these things that I did and these things that, I tried and these thoughts that I had. And then it became that, oh man, now I have to bear the shame of thinking about ending my own life and leaving my family, leaving friends, leaving people that did count on me, leaving them by taking taking my own life. So, there I was, and here I am today, sharing with you a piece of my testimony, a piece of my story, a piece of a piece of what I went through, and I'm not sharing that to make you feel any sort of a way about me. I don't need I don't need you to feel sorry for me. I'm looking back on on this moments and in, in these in these these moments and I realize that uh, I can I can look at this and I can go, wow, bummer that happened to me. But I can also look at that and learn from that and know that there are others who are experiencing what I experienced, who will experience what I experienced, who perhaps have experienced what I experienced and can relate. And in all of these experiences that people may have, the fact of the matter is that my story may or may not be relative, but it also may or may not be helpful. So I look back on those moments and my biggest regret, honestly, is not so much in what I did, but not being willing to talk about it and and talk about it with, with people that I did trust. There's no reason that I could not have shared 
many of those things with my own dad. We had a relationship that invited uh, sharing all things. There's no reason that that conversation would not have gone just fine for, for me and uh, potentially steered me clear of, uh, of much of, of that destruction. But I didn't go there. I didn't go there because I was, I was so ashamed. I was, I was devaluing myself with every passing day. And with every passing day, it became more and more difficult to even want to talk about it, to even want to confess to anybody uh, what I was thinking and what I was going through. It's no wonder I was flinching on the soccer field. It's no wonder my grades were slipping. I hated my existence. But I had an amazing life. Thank goodness I had an amazing life. I had amazing parents. I had fantastic siblings. Uh, lots of friends on the soccer field. I loved playing soccer. Uh, I never lost uh, a love for that, thankfully. Uh, I live in the United States of America, the greatest country on earth. My, my parents worked hard to provide for us. My dad worked hard so that my mom could be a stay-at-home mom. I, I had a lot, a lot of blessings. And I'm grateful for all of them. And I know that it is all of these things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that have helped to shape me into the man that I am today. And you looking back on your life, it is all of the things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, that have shaped you into the man that you are today. But just because you are the way that you are today doesn't mean that the man tomorrow has to be the same. You are just one decision away, one decision away from making that little bit of progress that you've just been trying to make, but you just can't bring yourself to stick to making the decision to commit to a new habit, to commit to the change and the growth that you're looking for. In whatever capacity, your relationship with Jesus, first and foremost, your health, your uh, well-being as, as far as just you taking care of, of the body that God has given you, your job, your career, your business, whatever it may be, the relationship that you have that you're not putting enough emphasis on, your marriage, your uh, relationship with your kids, whatever it may be, you are just a decision away from making some, making some progress, from moving forward. That's what being a courageous leader is all about. Checking what you're yearning for. Making sure that you're always yearning for more of Him. Now, I didn't take my life that day. And I didn't even drop blood. And I never tried to. I never tried to again. I didn't. In fact, I went from that to a couple of those experiences that I shared earlier to uh, turning my life around because I needed to identify the values that I was willing to live by. And I started speaking those values and I started living them. I wanted to talk the talk and I wanted to walk the walk. And no, I didn't hit it perfect. Nope, I have not been perfect ever since. In fact, uh, I'm not perfect today. Uh, I'm not perfect an hour ago. In fact, I'm just not perfect. And I know that. And I'm willing to accept that. Perfection is not my goal. Perfection is not my goal. Progress is. And it has been for years. And my hope is, my hope is that you, 
You will look at the things that you want to progress in, that you want to get better in. You will look at that, and you will also want to move forward and make some progress. So why did I share my personal journey, my personal story there regarding sexuality? Because I think that we have gotten off base as a society with our conversation around sin and truth. I think we've gotten so far off, in fact, and this is largely directed at the church at the moment because I know that the world is going to continue pushing this agenda as far as it possibly can. And as far as it possibly can. But the truth is that when sin feels good, you continue to do it. And if you're surrounded by people who edify and support and encourage your sin, it's going to feel better and better and feel more and more natural. It's going to feel more and more commonplace and you're going to want it more and more. And you're going to be desensitized to guilt, to conviction, and to the even the, even the thought that what you may be doing is wrong. It's because association normalizes behavior. I'll say that again. Association normalizes behavior. Now, association is not just the people you spend time with, but it's also the content that you consume. It is the media that you click on. It is the apps that you spend time in. It is the music that you listen to. It is the podcast that you listen to. It is the influence that you take in. The things that you choose, that is your association. The things that you spend time with, the people you spend time with, that is your association. If I had had a bunch of friends at that point in time that I felt comfortable sharing what I was doing and I had looked for and sought the edification and encouragement in what I was doing, if I had found that I was normalized, that it was normalized and accepted, do you think, do you think that I may have chosen to stay at that poisonous well? To stay there and continue to drink of that poisonous well, despite the inevitable destruction that was bound to come my way? Absolutely, because I would have become blind to the inevitable destruction. This is what happens when we pursue the idols in our life over Jesus Christ. So, what can you do? You can continue this conversation, gentlemen. Welcome to being a courageous leader, having difficult conversations, talking about things that are uncomfortable, being willing to peel back the layers in hopes that it will benefit somebody else, that it will move somebody off of the go and into the game, that it will move men into the battlefield because you, myself, and everyone around us, all the Christian men that you know, need to pick up their sword and get in the battle to step into the fight. Because we are at war. We have been. We always will be. We always will be. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going down without a fight. Gentlemen, I hope that you found some value in this episode, something that uh, you can take away, something that uh, you can take into your day, into your week, into your future conversations, something that 
uh, will uh, benefit others as well. Uh, my prayer is that uh, there was some value found here for you. And if that is so, please uh, do not forget to share the episode, to like the episode, to review the episode or the podcast itself, depending on which platform you are listening to. Your ratings and reviews help more than you know. More than you know. And this episode contained uh, a bit of vulnerability, a bit of openness about some of my sexuality struggles in the past. And in this time and in this era that uh, we are living, we are dealing with things that history has dealt with time and time again. And different behaviors, different perspectives are and will continue to be normalized. And if you're not on guard, you're going to start accepting them yourself. Maybe you already have. Let us not forget what Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Having itching ears, they will accumulate teachers to teach them what they want to hear, to fulfill their own passions. Let's not be those people.